Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Literally a lot of open discussion on where our weaknesses is, mm-hmm. are, where our opponent's weaknesses might be, and where the strengths are, and how do we develop it uh, and turn it into uh, really a winning program. That open discussion is with Jaguars owner Shad Khan, head coach Doug Peterson, and general manager Trent Balky. You can see that interview fully with John Osher later on this afternoon on Jaguars.com. They are all at the NFL owners' meetings this week in Palm Beach. We will get to John Osher live from there shortly. I woke up this morning, Brian, yes. and it is crazy that we are a month away from the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah a month from last night is yeah. the the 30-day mark. It, it comes fast now. It used to be a drug, right? But the season doesn't even get over now until early February, right? And then you have free agency that kicks into high gear. And this year it was crazier than ever. I mean, I haven't even read that much or seen that much from pro days just mm-hmm. because there's been so much. Now the owners' meetings are a major media event. It just it brings the whole, it just squeezes the whole calendar. It seems like you never get away from the NFL, which is exactly, by the way, how they want it. Absolutely. A lot going on, especially this week as we go live to Palm Beach right now with a third member of our show. John Osier is live from there. Hi, John. Shalane, Brian, how are you doing? I I was gonna be the, I was gonna do this by the pool with my sunglasses on, but I I decided to save you guys that visual. How about that? Yeah, that would be very much too in your face. All right, John, we just saw that exclusive interview with Jaguars owner Shah Khan. What was the biggest takeaway from your sit down with him? Well, probably uh, what we use there for the uh, top. Uh, he really likes the vibe in the building between uh, Trent Balky and Doug Peterson. And the uh, you know, the collaboration, I think, was the word he used, uh, the communication, uh, a good uh, – he talked a lot about eventually in, in the performance center, which he talked about, having much more open communication, open floor plans, open offices where people can collaborate. That's uh, a big thing for him. He, he kept mentioning that he's owned the team 10 years, been to a lot of these owners' meetings. His level of experience has gone up but he really hasn't felt that sort of interactive vibe before uh, and he thinks it's going to make a difference. So uh, the other takeaway was he talked a lot about the performance center and talked about how that is a very needed step. Uh, I guess that's supposed to open next off season before next season for 2023. He's clearly excited about it and uh, thinks that's a symbolic step toward the future of the franchise. You know, the vibe that I got watching it was that he was calm, John. And last year mm-hmm. never felt calm. Uh, that was, you know, because of the coach he brought from college, because of the way that they dramatically reshaped uh, the coaching staff and increased it. It feels like he's calm because he knows that he's got the right guy, a professional football coach with a recent track record of success. Well, he's sure got a calm guy. So I think that sort of permeates everything in the building. You guys certainly feel it. I feel it when I'm at TI Bank Field. There's just a feeling that Doug Peterson, um, you know, I, I've never been in a crisis meeting with Doug, but you get the idea that if Doug's sitting behind his desk and three people walk in and two people are talking over here and it's, hey, we got to do this, that Doug just says, hey, you know, I've seen this before. This is probably what's going to happen. Let's move on. Let's calm down and let's get back to football. Um, so I think that 
I'm sure when Doug is speaking to Shad about the team and about issues and about uh, things they need to do, I'm sure that comes across, which when Shad's talking about the team, I'm sure he channels that a little bit. Hey, the, hey, the head coach feels this way. There's good communication between the head coach and uh, uh, general manager Trent Balky and Doug. Have, you know, you can't walk anywhere without seeing those guys together in Palm Beach. So I think that is what's uh, causing Shad to have that, have that vibe when he talked to us yesterday with the breakers. You know, in that same vein, I read the story like I'm, I'm sure you did too, that this team spent more money than the Patriots did last year in free agency. And, and the Patriots last year set a record for the amount of guaranteed money in a single free agent signing period. We're number one. But it doesn't <laughs> but it doesn't feel again, it doesn't feel like they were jumping in and just throwing cash. And I know everyone's gonna bring up Christian Kirk, but throwing cash like drunken sailors around, give us anyone we could get. Again, in that calm vein, and Doug talked about it during the coaches conference, they've got a plan and they've got an approach that says these guys help us get better. And so we're not gonna get too high or too low about the guys that we've signed. We just think we did the right thing. Yeah, it's interesting. When you talk to national guys, you, you know, oh, the Jaguars are spending money. You know, but I think that's sort of a surface reaction to it. I think the people who really looked at it, the national people I talked to who really looked at what they signed, saw, hey, wait a minute, these guys all make sense. Uh, they spent a lot of money on, you know, not necessarily the flash names, which, Brian, I like after being around this forever. I, yeah. I can care less about a guy's name in free agency at this point. I've seen big names uh, crap out. I've seen him do great. So I want to know if they're a good football player. The vibe around the owners' meetings is they got a lot of good football players who are going to fit. Um, I asked Shad Khan during the interview. I said, hey, I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you wrote a lot of checks last month. And he <laughs> kind of cut me off. And, you know, he wasn't unhappy about the checks. He said, hey, I'm glad to write them. All I want to know from my football people is why these guys will make us better. And as we mentioned on reporters yesterday, guys, he's always done that. Yeah. There's this reputation sometimes among Jaguars fans, oh, Shad won't do this, won't do that. Because they haven't won, he's open to that criticism. He gets that. But the reality is he, he's always been willing to spend. It's just a matter of are we spending on the right people? Well, here's where really where, where the rubber will meet the road. In the next two years, the cap takes a dramatic jump forward based on projected revenues from television and obviously the way gambling's coming in. If this team is not setting the record in the next couple of years when there will be an abundance of money to spend, then they're headed in the right direction. This, this you would True. think, if, if Trent Baalke's words from when he joined us a couple of weeks ago are to be believed, and I, and I certainly do, the Jaguars don't want to be that team again, and this is the first step towards not being that, even though it seems counterintuitive. Yeah, I think they will get back to a point where, okay, you know, Trent even said, I think it was on our show after free agency, that next year is a little tighter than this year just because of the way contracts work, the way money kicks into the guys they signed, et cetera. But, you know, most GMs, even the GMs for the Rams and the real aggressive teams, will tell you that ideally they want to, to draft well and develop and then add pieces around. I expect the Jaguars want to do the same thing, and when the timing is right, go for one big piece that right. matters very much that can put you over the top and not go after seven for $155 million. And pay your own guys. Yeah, right? and that's what Doug exactly. Peterson right. mentioned yesterday. We were watching it live on Jaguars.com, and John, I know you were there. I thought it was 
kind of honest and, and pretty funny when Doug Peterson said, yeah, we spent money. We signed seven guys. Do I want to do that every year? No, but they really don't have a choice this year. You have to get better quickly, and this is the mold they have to follow right now. And then, as you mentioned, draft and draft well here so that in another couple of years, you are writing those big eye-opening checks like the Packers Mm -hmm. have, right, for their own guys. Exactly. And that really came across when Doug was talking. You know, obviously, you know, I think it's a fairly normal situation to the Jaguars fans have seen it too often for their own team. New people come in. They want to make sure they have their own guys. They want to raise the level of talent because usually when new people come in, Doug Peterson, Trent Baalke, is because the team hasn't been very good. So Doug Peterson's coming into a situation where they've lost. So you need to be aggressive. You need to get holes filled and get to a certain level and then draft, maintain that level, and then improve from that as Trevor Lawrence gets better. And that's still the whole key. John, one more for you before we let you go enjoy pina coladas by the pool. Notable to me was uh, when Doug Peterson was talking about Cam Robinson, and that was really the first time he's addressed the need to bring Cam Robinson back and needing that consistency at left tackle. And he also, I thought it was awesome when they talked about Travis Etienne and the role he was going to have. And he kind of just smirked and said, we'll see. It's truthful. I almost forgot about Travis Etienne. And for him to say, Mm -hmm. hey, he's coming back on the field in a matter of a month, that was exciting. Yeah, and there's still a storyline there to play out with both running backs where their health is as they get back. And, you know, that's still going to be a storyline to watch. They're excited about Travis Etienne, and let's hope he's right. Uh, no reason to think he's not, but Liz Frank can be serious. Uh, back to your question, Ashton. Uh, as, as we get more of these availabilities, it's usually what happens when you've got a position group like the offensive line. We're getting more of a feel for what the offensive line is, how it's going to play out. Um, they keep talking about getting Cam signed to a contract extension. I'm going to be intrigued to see if that happens, if he's indeed their guy going forward for the next four or five years. They also talked yesterday about Jawan Taylor and Walker Little. Pretty, I mean, uh, I say they. Doug talked about him. Pretty clear that they expect that to be a competition. But they like both guys. It's interesting to see how that plays out on the other side. So slowly but surely, they're figuring out, and, and we're getting – signs of what that offensive line is going to be now the question to me is is Tyler Shatley the guy at center uh I hope so for Tyler's sake I like him I want to see him get a shot just a thought by the way on Cam I talked to someone on the other side of the hall and the thought on him is they believe that the last two years he's done this and that he has gotten better even though there have been moments where you're like yeah same old Cam that's not the way they view him so whether or not they can get a deal done with him remains to be seen but they want to because mm-hmm. they think he is an ascending player. And, and if, if he is, then what a great draft in 2017. Yeah, don't underestimate draft how much was. football people love Cam because he's a guy who wants it. He's a guy who fights for teammates. He's a great teammate, uh, fits in well. So uh, he loves the game, and Trent Baalke talked about that uh, a couple weeks back too. This is a guy who shows everybody how much he cares about it. Uh, they want Cam Robinson to be around. Yep. We'll see. Yeah, and Coach Peterson said it yesterday. As a whole, it's hard to find left tackles that play at a high level yeah. in this league. So when you have them, you got to pay them. You That's the way it is. All right, John Ozier, thank you for joining Jaguars Drive Time, even though you're here every week. We appreciate it live from Palm Beach. Go enjoy the pool, kind sir. Woo! <laughs> when we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, former defensive end for the Eagles, a guy that knows Coach Peterson very well, Chris Long, will join us here on the Jaguars Digital Network. We 
signed seven guys, right? And seven guys that can help us, you know, this year. I don't think you want to go into free agency signing seven guys every year. I don't think that's the model. Um, and now we have the draft coming up that we can also help. And, uh, you know, with 12 draft picks, bring in more of that talent, bring in more depth, bring in more competition uh, is what you want. But the guys we signed are going to be impact players, you know, right away. Love the honesty there from head coach Doug Peterson at the owners' meetings. You can catch the full press conference on Jaguars.com. We're back on Jaguars Drive Time. Brian Sexton will be back shortly. For now, we bring in a guy that knows Coach Peterson incredibly well. Chris Long, former Eagles defensive end, joins us now. Good morning, and thanks for waking up with us. Hey, good morning. How are y'all? We are great. All right, so we are starting to get to know Coach Peterson. He has been here a couple months, and Everyone we talk to is, wow, he is such a great guy. But I know you might see a different side of him. Is he as good of a guy as everyone tells us? Coach is an incredible guy. He's the type of guy that, honestly, I always tell people this. He can kind of, you know, pick his battles as a coach. um, And players will go to the wall for him uh, because he works you hard, but you don't even realize it half the time because you're having fun. (laughs) It's competitive. And he treats you like uh, an equal. I mean, he was a former player. You know, I was on some of his uh, leadership councils and some of the things that he did behind closed doors where he involved the players and looped them in on decisions and that sort of thing. And I think a lot of times pro coaches, their egos are a little too big or they don't want to bend to players. And I think Doug walked that line really well, still running a tough program, working us hard, but also like having enough fun so that it balanced out. And I know that you were pretty vocal when Coach Peterson left Philadelphia, and, and I read your tweets where you said he's going to get another shot soon. So when he got this shot here in Jacksonville, what was your reaction? It felt like a great fit. You know, um, I think he can do a lot for, for Trevor. Um, I think he can do a lot for kind of the, the vibe of a team. He's kind of the opposite of the situation that y'all are emerging from. I mean, he's, he's the type of guy that, you know, players are absolutely going to universally love. And he's going to be a really competent guy who's been there, done that on the pro level. Uh, You know, he's won a Super Bowl. He's stabilized the locker room uh, in tough situations. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on on teams that that struggle. Um, And I've been on teams that struggle. I've been in situations like the Jaguars were last year. I mean, I played most of my career in St. Louis. So I feel like uh, I'm pretty qualified to say, like, the type of guy that could, could help a situation like that. And I think Doug is the perfect guy from an energy standpoint. A confidence standpoint, um, just the, you know, kind of the the stones to make the right calls, the bold calls. I mean, he's done that in Super Bowls. And, you know, our team had a lot of ups and downs over those couple of years, and he helped us navigate all those waters. I mean, we lost Carson Wentz in L.A. and went on the road and won a Super Bowl, um, you know, the next couple of weeks. So um, he's a great coach, and he's seen it all, I feel like, just in a short tenure in Philly, relatively speaking. Yeah, you mentioned a guy that's been there, done that, that consistency, and and we keep bringing up a Super Bowl champion coach. Here in Jacksonville, what does that do for a locker room? I mean, you've been in a locker room for many, many years. When you have a Super Bowl champion in there as a coach, does it mean anything? Does it do anything? I think it does. I only say that because when I got to the Eagles and when LeGarrette Blunt got to the Eagles and a couple of us had won a Super Bowl, people really – give you credibility, whether that's warranted or not as a player. Um, you know, people are always asking, you know, what the, what can we do better? What are the keys to, to getting there? The whole thing. 
Um, and I think when you have a coach who's won it, he oversaw that whole operation. So, you know, it's, it's infinitely more um, impressive to be a Super Bowl head coach because like you were the one who had to manage and, you know, preside over all 53 people in the roster, all three phases of football. Um, you know, it's one thing to have player experience winning a Super Bowl, but I think a coach that wins a Super Bowl, especially in the fashion that we did, having to win games a bunch of different ways. I mean, we, we beat the Raiders, I think, like 13-7 or something to, to secure home field advantage. Um, we beat the Rams on the road in a high-scoring game. You know, we, we scored 40 points basically two weeks in a row through the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. And that's what it took to win. And we also won a low-scoring game. Again, sorry about my alarm. We also won a, a low-scoring game against the um, the Falcons in the playoffs. So he's won every different way. Um, his experience as a coach through that playoff run is is such a huge thing when it comes to the locker room and giving a coach clout and credibility. And Chris, you played in the NFL for 11 seasons, so you have so much knowledge about this game and so many connections. That's why I think your podcast, the Greenlight Podcast, is so cool. Is that something you always wanted to do when you got out of football? You said, all right, I'm still going to stay in touch this way? It's funny. I was talking to somebody last week uh, that was on our show about this. I can't remember who, uh, but it, it was basically I was I was on Michael Irvin's podcast and he was like, what do you think about podcasts? And the kind of same thing because he started a podcast. And I said, like, Michael, we did we did some of the best podcasts in the world for 11 years or 19 <laughs> years, however long. Like we just did them and there were no cameras and there were no you know recordings. I think I think for football players, it's so natural for us to do something like this as long as it's conversational. And it focuses on like, you know, fun, interesting conversations. I mean, that's what we had in locker rooms for the longest time. So it's kind of a whole new grind from a kind of like a standpoint of being responsible for a staff and producing a show. But I love just having a conversation. So when I come to work in the morning, if we're prepared, it doesn't feel like work. Love it. Well, for the fans watching, check out the Greenlight podcast. It is an awesome listen. And Chris Long, thank you so much for joining Jaguars Drive Time. Thank you all for having me. Go go, Coach Doug. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, NFL Network Draft Analyst Daniel Jeremiah joins the show. Stay with us. Travis will be able to work a little bit this offseason with us, uh, get into some more you know, football drill work. James will be a little more into training camp before we get him. Um, but those, it's, it's a really good one-two, kind of a one-two combination. Um, there's not a lot of tape on Travis, right? But just listening to the guy like Bernie Parmalee, my running back coach, just listening to him talk about Travis and some of the things that, that they did with him, you know, last year in camp, I think are some things that we see in him uh, as an offensive staff. James is a guy that can first, second, or third down. Um, you know, he's explosive, he's, he's a bigger back, you know, uh, had, a, had a really good season last year. So I think it's a really good one-two combination when, when healthy. Exciting news for running back Travis Etienne to get back on the field here in just about a month. It's something we've been waiting for, absolutely. Well, and I think a lot of us have been very cautious with it because we remember Corey Grant and what yep, happened, absolutely. same injury in Kansas City in 2018. To hear that he's making progress, yeah, okay. Um, and then with James Robinson, you know that's the other injury that generally takes a running back and shortens their career. But speed was never his game anyway. So if you get him back around the time training camp goes, 
you might be in really good shape. I yes. still think you probably draft somebody. Fingers crossed. And yeah. a perfect guy to talk about the draft is joining us right now, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. NFL Draft Analyst joins Jaguars Drive Time right now. Daniel, good morning. How's it going? How's everybody doing? Great. We are doing fantastic. And we have to know, we were talking at the Combine and offensive linemen were dominating the conversation. Now Cam Robinson is franchise tag. So what do you think right now for the number one overall pick for the Jaguars? Could they even trade it back? There are so many options. Yeah, there are definitely options here. I, you know, I, I think the trade back thing would be kind of dependent on everyone being convinced that the Lions were going to take a quarterback, um, you know, that maybe you could try and uh, nudge the Carolina Panthers potentially to come up. I guess that's one scenario you could look at. Um, but outside of that, I mean, to me, if they're stuck there and they're picking there, all the signs to me point towards an edge rusher and all the signs make the most sense to me with Aiden Hutchinson. I, I just think, you know, I think he's the best player in the draft personally. I think it's a position of need. I don't have any questions of what he does on the field. You see the production. Um, he's got a variety of ways to get to the quarterback. He can play the run. So he's a complete player. And then off the field, everything that, you know, you hear about from a leadership standpoint is is off the charts. So uh, that to me is is where all the signs would point and I you know I've used this analogy to me it's just you're parking that ball right in the middle of the fairway with a guy like Aiden Hutchins. You know Daniel when I watched him at Michigan and I, I know comparisons are tough to make but he had a JJ Watt kind of impact on the game. It didn't matter where they put him, didn't matter whether it was the run or the pass. He just had this distinct ability to make a play on the ball. Who who does he look like to you in terms of an NFL player? Yeah, you know, it's hard to come up with a comparison for him. Um, you know, there's been so many different names that have been thrown out there. I guess the one that I kind of fall back on most is, is Jared Allen. And, you know, I always laugh because you get grief like, oh, just comparing the white defensive end to the others, uh, white defensive ends. Um, but he that's who it reminds me of just from a, a standpoint of his tenacious. I was talking to somebody that was at his pro day, one of the coaches that helped uh, kind of run him through the drills, and said, this guy's this guy has got a – a limitless uh, tank, you know, like you try and gas defensive linemen out because a lot of times you get sacks, like the difference between, uh, you know, somebody who gets eight sacks and somebody who gets 14 sacks is really, it's really not that much. What it is, it's those guys, those extra sacks, you, those extra six sacks, a lot of times they're just off persistence and effort and there's just no slowdown to this dude at all. So with the J.J. Watt comparison uh, that you made with, with Jared Allen, that's what those guys did. They made a living on that. So is there any smoke or, or any fire, I should say, or is it all smoke with, with Trayvon Walker climbing? And does he belong in the conversation at the top of the draft, or is that just a rising player uh, in your estimation? Well, I was joking with a buddy uh, in the league this morning about this because I love Trayvon Walker, and I've I've got him all the way up to my sixth player. Um, I feel like I've, I've been – you know, kind of driving the bus a little bit on him and trying to tell people that this dude's going to go way up there. He's a really good player. I remember my first or uh, gosh, one of my first mock drafts, I had him going five to the Giants before the combine and the Giants fans lost their minds. There's no <laughs> way this guy can go up there with the fifth overall pick. And I'm like, no, no, he's pretty good now. Um, and so now he's he's launched himself all the way up into the discussion for the first overall pick. Um, I couldn't I, as much as I love him, he's my sixth player. I couldn't justify that over Aiden Hutchinson uh, just because I know what I'm buying with Aiden Hutchinson. There is some projection still there uh, with Walker. But in terms of doing your due diligence, doing your homework, and him you know, being in the discussion with that pick, yeah, I think that's, I think that's reasonable. 
All right. And what is going on with safety Kyle Hamilton? Both of our colleagues, Bucky Brooks, always talks about him, says he's one of the most talented, if not the most talented player in the draft. And all of a sudden I'm seeing he's falling rapidly. Is that dramatic? Is that actually happening? What is going on with this guy? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that he'd say he's falling dramatically, but I would say in this day and age right now, it's it's a position that's not as valued league-wide. I don't agree with it. I mean, he's my fourth overall player in this draft. Um, But when you add in the fact that teams aren't as, uh, you know, aren't as high on the position, and then you go to the combine, he ran a 4.59, which is okay time, but not, you know, a top 10 pick type time. And then he went to the pro day and he ran in the four sevens. He ran four, seven, four and four, seven flat, which are not good times. So um, again, I I go back to the tape and you want to trust the tape. And I think he's going to be a great player at the next level. But if you're sitting here today on March 29th, if you asked me, you had to decide one way or the other, is he going the, you know, in the top 10 or does he not go in the top 10? I said, I would say, I think there's a good chance he falls out of the top 10. So, Daniel, away from the oh, the first overall pick on day one to the first overall pick on day two at number 33, um, I'm a best player available guy, you know, if that's an offensive lineman, but I understand need. Will the Jaguars have to take some of their draft capital? They have 12 picks, they have two third-round picks, and move back into the bottom of the first round to get a receiver, or should they stay right there and there will be somebody? Well, I think you got to kind of let it play out a little bit. If, if we end up with you know, two guys going in the top 10 and then you start to see a couple more go off early in the teens, then, you know, you, you probably get a little jumpy because I think there is kind of a little bit of a, a cutoff there. I have eight guys in my, in my top 50th receiver position. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of a drop off after those first, I think five guys that I have. So if you want one of those guys, yeah, I think you might have to go up a little bit. If you're content with sticking and picking, you know, you can get a Christian Watson, who I really like from, from North Dakota State. You can get a, a Sky Moore, who's a really good player out of the MAC. Um, but if you want one of those top guys, I think you got to kind of see how this plays out. The best thing that could happen to them would be, you know, these quarterbacks go off a little bit higher than we think. And that would push everybody down a little bit, including those wideouts. Absolutely a need at wide receiver. Daniel Jeremiah, thank you so much for joining Jaguars Drive Time. We appreciate your time. All right, have a great day. Absolutely. You as well. More to come on Jags Drive Time. Stay with us. It's hard to find really, really good left tackles in this league. Um, and we feel like Cam is one of those good tackles. And uh, we're just fortunate to be able to, you know, franchise him, keep him, keep him here, um, hopefully work out a, a long-term deal with him so he's around more than just a year. Um, but, but keeping that and knowing his experience and knowing his expertise really made it easy for us to keep him around. Coach Doug Peterson on why the Jaguars franchise tag Cam Robinson. Welcome back to Jaguars Drive Time. One more segment for you. And, and Brian, I liked the honesty at the very end of that quote. He said, with offensive line, though, we're not done yet. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. And and if you recall, Brandon Linder, who was an eight-year starter here, was a third-round pick. Um, AJ Can was a third-round pick. You, you can find value. And Brent Barch played well last year. Mm-hmm. He was a fourth-round pick. You know, the interesting thing is, Walker Little is a tackle. I don't think Walker Little's a guard, right? You get him over on the right side if he wins that competition. And I've said this for a while now. Juwan Taylor, to me, I think could be a Pro Bowl guard 
you know, inside, I think he's a mauler. Can Ben Barch play center? Right? I mean, he played left tackle. He's played guard. Can he play center? Yeah. Can, can he be the future at center? Maybe not this year. Maybe that's Tyler Shatley. But you groom him to be the next guy and then go draft another guard to come in with depth? I think Juwan Taylor's a good football player. I think Walker Little's a really good football mm-hmm. player. If you don't deploy them in a way that gives you the best possible combination, then you don't have your best players on the field. Right. Walker Little belongs on the field this year. Juwan Taylor belongs on the field this year. I think you could dramatically improve this offensive line if Walker Little wins the right to tackle job. That is going to be a fascinating it's be fun. battle in training. I know Juwan Taylor wants to hold on to it because yeah. tackles make more than guards, but Brandon Scherf's doing Oh, it's doing in all- his best interest. Well, but Brandon Scherf's doing pretty good. Yes, he right? is. We asked Juwan Taylor at the very end of the season, and someone brought up, you know, moving to guard, and he said, well, I'm a, I'm a right tackle. I'm yep, not a right guard. Absolutely. And that's the perfect answer. He needed to say that. Well, that's because that's <laughs> it's where It's going to make is. it interesting. But if you're making $17 million a year playing guard because you're a damn good guard asked Brandon Scherf mm-hmm. what 17 million He's feels like in your bank fine. account yeah I wouldn't worry about the position you play just get on the field and win all right let's talk quarterback shortly this was a very cool one of my friends Mark Whiteman is the sports director up in South Carolina okay. and he shot this package from Trevor Lawrence in his youth football camp and he texted me saying you're not going to believe this there were 50 1,500 kids at Trevor Lawrence's first youth football camp. And he said, Ashlyn, I've never seen a police presence at this football camp, but it was needed because they didn't want to shy any kids away. 1,500 kids. He's an absolute star. Crazy. We knew that when he came down. Uh, He was dealt a tough hand last year with a roster that was in reconstruction and a coach who didn't have a clue how to coach him and get him ready. Um, Now he has got it. And if you're Trevor Lawrence, right? And you see what's capable of happening here. You see the money that the owner has committed in free agency. You see the staff that Doug Peterson has built. You, you see your buddy Travis Etienne coming back. You have to feel really good about where this thing is headed. You see the construction with the, uh, the mm-hmm. performance center. Moving quickly. right? Um, everything is changing for the better around here. And that calm presence of Doug Peterson, it has to make Trevor Lawrence as excited today as he was last year. And that's a do-over, right? It I mean, is. What's the commercial staples with the, the easy button, the reset <laughs> button? He got it. Who gets that? Yeah, and he briefly, you mentioned excitement, he briefly talked about the upcoming season at this youth football camp. So let's hear what he had to say. Obviously, last year was a, was a long year, and um, we've got a lot to get better at. And now that we know where we're at, and picking up some guys will help us a lot. And just excited. we got a lot of good guys in that team. And then, you know, the new staff has been awesome, too. So I'm really pumped for this year and, um, yeah, excited. Cool to just see a guy that, that gets it and is doing it right. I mean, look, to have him healthy. Yeah. To not have suffered an injury. Um, and he took a beating at times last year. Yeah, he did. But to be healthy heading into the offseason and not rehabbing something and slowing him down with his new staff, I'm telling you, um, the easy button, the reset button. It's got needed. It. They got it. They yes, got they it. Did. They got it. And that is Jaguars Drive Time. Thank you for tuning into this show. Stay with us on Jaguars.com all week long. A lot going on. We are mon- one month away from the NFL draft. Crazy enough. So stay with us here on Jaguars.com. We'll see you soon. <laughs>